0: Welcome to another episode of Mindset to Mastery, the podcast. I am Keisha Rivers of the CARS Group, your host, where we facilitate outcome. Um, Mindset to Mastery is a personal and professional development segment of the company where we give you tips, tools, strategies, and insights to help you change your mindset and master your success. I have had some awesome guests on this show so far. I'm so happy I decided to do this because I get to talk to really amazing people, and my next guest, Cindy, is no exception. One of the main things that I always talk about is how you have to make sure that when you switch your mindset, you are going to be able to start taking actions to do things differently. Well, Cindy is an actual coach and a specialist when it comes to doing those, that self-assessment work and that strengths assessment work so that you can actually figure out what it is that's great about you that you want to keep. And then what are some of the things that you might need to tweak along the way? So welcome, Cindy. Thanks, Keisha.
1: I'm honored to be on your show.
0: Well, I, um, from the moment that we met, I think we connected. And it was, it was so interesting, um, especially when I started to get to know your background, so just to give you guys a little bit of insight, I'm not going to read her whole bio because it's amazing. Um, she's got over 20 years of dynamic experience as a leader in for-profit and nonprofit environments. She served in the U.S. Army as a helicopter pilot. <laughs> um, she's got an MBA from the University of Colorado, a BA from the University of South Alabama. She's got coaching certifications from the International Coaching Federation and Gallup, and her, among her coaching credentials and tools, which you'll be able to read more about on our website. Um, she has a certification in strengths assessment. So we're going to talk about the different types of assessments today, what works for you, what's the best ones you should do, you should use and how you can actually apply them. So I'm excited to talk to you every time we have our conversations because it's so enlightening. (laughs) So I wanted to find out, um, on this particular podcast, one of the main things that we always talk about is we talk about ways that people can start changing their mindset. Um, if they're afraid of things, if they're not focused, all of that, we give them strategies on how they can start shifting the way that they're thinking. But one of the things that I find interesting about the work that you do is that you have identified you know, this whole process of self-assessment, why it's actually important as a as a starting point. So tell a little bit about how do you use self-assessments and and why do you think it's important to actually have a tool to use as a self as a self-assessment starting point. Thanks, Keisha.
1: I- you know, I've been a coach, a professional coach for three years on my own, and I have a pretty good fami- familiarity with self-assessments, having made m- many pivots in my life. So from military to for-profit to nonprofit, and then um, business on my own. And I, I work predominantly with two groups of people. I work with people in transition. So these are people who are maybe between jobs or pivoting from for-profit to non-profit, from being staying at home mom to being an employee. And I also work with people who are at the verge of maybe promotion uh, at work. And so they're in a different kind of transition. And what I find is a common trend among these folks is that uh, they have been on autopilot ever since they were in college. And so they were in college. They maybe took a degree that either sounded good at the time or their parents pressured them into it or they didn't have a choice whatsoever. And then they got a job and then they got promoted. And then, you know, then maybe they moved with their spouse. And so... They haven't really taken an inventory of what it is that they enjoy and what they're truly good at, and wow. instead, slotted themselves into what's making me the most money, what's got the shortest commute, mm-hmm. and all those other reasons that we take jobs. And so, a self-assessment, I think, recalibrates them back to uh, I want to say like when you're five years old and the world is your oyster. You know how how do you go back to what is it that brings you energy? And what comes naturally to you. So I think an assessment many times begins the coaching dialogue. Mm -hmm. And there's several assessments that I use. uh, And I think you're going to ask me a question later on, but I'll just, uh, I'll just segue. So depending on the conversation and how long it's been uh, since people have had that conversation with themselves of what am I good at? uh, I'll choose an assessment and that'll open the dialogue. And many times that then, uh, gives you a robust uh, group of topics to talk about for coaching
0: and and that and it's great that you you talk about how you use the assessment as a basis for starting the conversation and and one thing that you kept talking about is pivoting and making a transition. Most of the people listening to this podcast are doing are contemplating some type of pivot, and for some people life happens and they don't get to choose their pivot point um either you know you're downsized or you're relocated or you have to switch jobs or or something like that out of no choice of your own what we're trying to do is one help them to navigate that where it's external and two what about the time when you kind of feel that that you know nagging thing in the back of your head that's telling you this is not right i'm i'm like a fish out of water i'm not in the right spot you know like you said You know, from college, this was the trajectory I was supposed to go on. I mean, I was guilty of the same thing because when I got to college, I already had my five year, my five and 10 year plan of, you know, I was going to major in this. I was going to have an internship here. I was going to live here for five years. I got to get promoted, you know, that whole thing. And my pivot came where I started in marketing and business. And in my junior year, I took an elective course in teaching children's literature, got that aha moment of, oh my God, this is what I'm great at. And then I made a decision to change my life, you know, on a completely different trajectory. Now, for most of the people that come to you, are they people that have made that decision to pivot? Or is it one of those things where life has happened and now they're trying to figure out how to adjust to the pivot?
1: So it's interesting. Um, I have gotten a little bit of an uptick on people who are just restless. Uh, we are in a job, and, and i 'll put myself in that category where uh, from the outside, people really wonder why are you unhappy and why are you restless you 're making good money right you're making uh, you 're being uh, rewarded and recognized at work you are on a good path to something right, right. what 's wrong with you? why are you wanting uh, to do this uh, this change? Uh, and so sometimes those pivots that are initiated for you, like the layoff or a downsizing or the mm-hmm. company closes down or whatever the case may be, sometimes those are a little bit easier to handle than the nebulous ones that just plague you, right? Mm-hmm. You're driving to work and you say, there's something better out there for me, right? Everybody else looks happier than me. Right. Uh, so I, I deal with both. And I, I can tell you, I've had a little bit of an uptick. I tend to get folks that are um, teachers, mm-hmm. that are uh, unhappy teaching, and the, the, the profession of teaching isn't like they thought it would be. Mm-hmm. Um, I get folks who are making um, what I call silly money, who are executives and truly, truly, <laughs> on the surface, uh, and I'll put myself in that category, people are like, I would give my my left arm do what you do, why are you unhappy? And I think those transitions are harder on the person because you don't have the support system of your family. Uh Your peers are wondering why you're making that change. And I think in that case, it's even more important to do a good bit of self-awareness research, right? right? So why am I at this place? And my next job, how do I not get to this place again two years from now? Because many people leave one job and then choose one that's
0: very similar. And then they wonder why the restlessness doesn't go away. Right. And, and that's, and and that is key because we're creatures of habit. You know, we like our little comfort zones, you know, with the little Snuggie and, you know, and even though we have that restlessness in the back of our head, that's like, okay chick you really should be doing something different or there's more we still gravitate towards the thing that's familiar even though it's slightly different so we can tell ourselves hey I did something different I made a lateral move I moved to another company that was it and your brain is like nah you're doing the same thing even though it's a different title even though it's in a different place you're still doing the same thing so when you start looking at assessments um I mean, because everybody, of course, I mean, the internet is not our friend when it comes to that, um, because there's so many different assess- assessments, and um, for those of you who are listening, doing a Facebook quiz on what <laughs> type of personality you have is not what we're talking about. <laughs> we're not talking about taking a quiz in, in the magazine that says, you know, what's your best attribute, or hey, if you're this sign, this is the type of leader you are. We are not talking about those. That does not fall in the realm of this conversation. So where, do pe- where should people start if they're looking at that, you know, I know that there's something different um, that I need to be doing, or I was forced out of what I was comfortable in, and now I have this opportunity to be able to do something different. If I really want to figure out where my strengths are, where my gifts are, you know, what is going to be my sweet spot? what would you recommend in terms of maybe a couple of sites or the, or the top maybe two or three assessment tools that you would use? So I won't claim to
1: be an expert in assessments because there's so many, and it's just like you said. So, uh, very quickly, if you're inside of a magazine and you're doing a quiz or Facebook, it's really easy to see what they're going to recommend because it's probably sponsored by that particular website. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but I'll talk about several that are my favorites, having done a handful. So I use Strengths. It's it's a nice gateway assessment to other assessments, uh, the Clifton or previously known Gallup Top Five Strengths. Uh, it's a it's a self reported tool you go through you answer some questions it takes about a half an hour uh, It's a Likert scale of one to five does this you know does this really sound like you or not uh it's a really good one because there are no right or wrong answers. It mm-hmm. groups you into things like do you like to win over others meaning do you like to have short interactions where everybody comes off and they know you? Or are you more of a relator, one-on-one type of a person? Those begin to point to where do you get your energy, right? So do you get your energy from people? How do you process information? These are things, again, I bring it back to when you were five years old, I'll bet you, you could tell you, you know, you could say what your strengths were. But over time, we tend to pull away from that and do more of what is asked for us for our work and our family uh, relationships and things like that. So Gallup Clifton Strengths uh, is a great one. You can do Gallup Strengths. Uh, it's an assessment that anyone can take. And what I like about it is you don't need a coach to interpret your results. Awesome. So you, go, you can go on Gallup, uh, I think it's gallup.com, uh, uh, and you can take that assessment. You will get an extensive report that basically says here's your number one, two, three, four, five, here's what makes you unique. And you can just be on your merry way. It'll just give you a little bit of thought. So then what you can do is kind of spend the next two weeks walking around and say, huh, you know what? That does make sense. It brings you back to uh, if time and money weren't an object, where would you get your energy? Uh, There are other tools like emotional uh, intelligence, which is a little bit more of a sophisticated tool. Um, I happen That needs a coach's interpretation. So this is an assessment that you would take where... If you are finding that you are getting kind of short-tempered and are triggered by certain types of situations and you are unable to relate to others in the way that you want to, this is a self-assessment that tells you of your particular emotional intelligence. Uh, I do an assessment. You can go onto my website. This is one where a coach has to interpret. There's an Emotional Intelligence 360 which is one that takes into account other people's interpretation of how you uh, interact on a daily basis with information, with uh, stress, with uh, temperament, things like that. Uh, Then you, uh, you know, the electronic tool asks your, your peers, your boss, your family, and friends, and this, is, this gives you a well-rounded assessment. There are other simple assessments. I think some of the oldest ones are Myers-Briggs. It talks about you know introvert versus extrovert. I believe you can find those assessments without the interpretation of a coach. So it just depends on what problem are you trying to solve. The one that I typically use, if you haven't taken it, is the strengths. Mm-hmm. And If it's someone that wants to get promoted, it is stuck. Uh, I, I usually use emotional intelligence and I use that one with teams as well.
0: That's awesome. And, and one of the key things that I, I love about what you say is that you have to figure out what you're, what you're trying to solve, what, what problem you're trying to solve. It's not just enough to say, oh, well, I don't think this is going well and I don't feel really great about it. And, you know, you really have to understand what you're trying to get at. Are you trying to find, like you said, your five-year-old self and if money was no object in the world was my oyster, what would I do? Or are you saying, you know what, I want to make a shift because I want to get promoted or I don't feel challenged or, um, you know, things aren't going well personally for me, which is impacting my job or things aren't going well, you know, professionally. So it's impacting me personally. And I think that having a really good sense of what problem or issue you're trying to solve is key to starting to solve the problem. (laughs) Um, and, And I know as a coach, you... Part of this whole process of, is trying to ask them the right questions to get them to the point of figuring out where do we start because I know you have you've encountered people that come in and say well this is what I think the problem is and after you've talked to them you're like well actually it's not that at all <laughs> and is it better um, for you to have the data from an actual assessment to be able to show them and say okay this is what you thought it was but based on your responses, this is what it actually is. And then we can focus on moving forward from there.
1: So the trick with coaching is that you are not intended to give advice, right? You are intended to, to kind of throw something out there and then ask the client to kind of go through that. What these assessments do is it gives you a good uh, opening line to say, what do you think about the results, Right. And so uh, it, it, even immediately, what, what typically happens, even in the top five strengths, people will own up to three of them. And they'll say, oh, that's totally me, right? And then they will summarily argue with one, and then there'll be one that they're kind of neutral on. And so what happens is that opens up a dialogue right away. And what, what, what you might find is that something is a strength, but someone is trying really hard to push it down, <laughs> Right. I don't right. make enough money doing that. I can't have that exactly. as a strength. <laughs> yes. I will never make money doing that. Or I'll have to leave my husband if I if I do this. And so it's an interesting dynamic because when people own their strengths, then they can open up. And and what that usually leads into, um, you know, I'm a big fan of making changes because you're running towards something. You want to build on something. Uh sometimes it opens up a dialogue that people are running away from something. And so that you know, that gives, that gives a coach plenty of things to talk about and say, well, you know, based on your strengths, right, let's talk about where you would go to rather than everything is wrong with my job or everything is wrong with my boss. You can never change those things. And so it it, it gives a healthy dialogue about if these are your strengths and you want to be happier and more engaged and get more energy from your work, then what can we do sometimes in your own job, what can we do with a relationship with your boss? And that helps them own it, right? That, help, that helps them own what it is that they're going to do next.
0: And I, I love what you said about most change it happens because people are running away from something. And, and your job is to help them to make the change because they're running towards something. I, I, that's such a fundamental shift because if you're running away from something, you're always going to be running away from it if you never face what it is. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and then two, if you're running towards something, then you're going to embrace it. And, and I know, you know, we've had conversations about the frustration level of working with clients that it seems like, you know, if I have to drag you to get there, I know you're not going to stay. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. then I just feel like, okay, all this work that we've done. Is in vain because you're going to go right back to where you were before. So I love that key, that key differential um, in terms of the the reasoning behind your running. Um, are you running away from something? Or are you running towards something? Um, I also, it, it really resonates with me that you start with the strengths because I'm a former educator. You know, all of us we we get into it because we have these grandiose dreams of changing the world and impacting lives, and then we get in the system and we go, "This sucks. I can't do my job." Um, but one of the things that I always did is I, and I found that this philosophy was one that just naturally came to me. I was always a strengths-based teacher and and I'm still a strengths-based strategist and, and outcome facilitator because I find that most people tend to focus on their weaknesses or what they're not good at. And, and it becomes a deficit or a punitive model. Do you find that in working with people, they're they're more apt to start talking about what's wrong with them versus what's right with them?
1: Well, unfortunately, you know, I was in HR for many years. Most companies' performance management system is based on deficits, right? You only have, as a manager, an hour to talk to your employee. Typically, there's an annual review. We start with, you know, you did a decent job over here, and then we go straight into, And what I'd like for you to do is improve your organizational skills or I've noticed that your relationships could use a little bit of work or your advocacy or the way that you, you know, your tone, whatever the case may be. I think that we're so conditioned in school and at work Mm -hmm. uh, on on listening for those, what is wrong with me, what can I work on, it almost turns it into a (laughs) task-based checklist, Mm -hmm. right? I have all of these deficits and I'm going to work on these things. But you know, Gallup uh, in particular, what I love about it's positive psychology, right? Mm can only mitigate and slightly improve things that don't come come naturally to you, right? Right. If you're you're a right hander, and you break your right hand, at best, you might be legible at the end of two months writing in your left hand, Mm -hmm. right? But if you're a left hander, and you discover that, you know, you're a right hander, and now suddenly, you're writing with it, you can get substantially better at your strength. And so so sometimes, as I said, I think what happens is you get forced into these jobs one way or another, right? Either because you're following a crowd mm-hmm. and the next thing you figure out is you're like, well, you know, I never liked that job. Right. I never drew energy from it. And I'll, I'll just use a very brief example. Um, you know, I've been in leadership positions since I was middle of college, all the way through ROTC, all the military and all of my positions bar maybe two or three, I have led people. And um, my number one strength is relator, which means I do well with kind of one-on-one relationships. I'm, I listen deeply. I listen between the lines. Uh, and I really get to know people and I get energy from that. And so in my leadership positions, whenever I had five, six people who directly reported to me, I could manage the intimacy of those relationships. I knew people's wives and husbands' names. I knew what, you know, where they came from, what they aspired to be. But there were particular jobs where I would get six, seven, eight, 10, 12 direct reports. Wow. And I, wouldn't, I would not thrive in that environment because I couldn't dedicate the right amount of energy to each of those 12 people. And so I was doing kind of a half-baked job. They saw I was doing a half-baked job. I couldn't use what was at my personal strength. And those are the jobs I did worst with. There are other people who like that kind of transactional environment and they prefer it and they're intimidated by a more intimate one-on-one type of conversations. And so I knew this, but only retroactively. Right. When I came back, I was like, huh, you know what? The, the leadership positions I did well, it was always a small group. We we're all in it together, right? Mm-hmm. We were able to accomplish these great things. And the larger my span of control, the worse of a leader I was. And so I, I think that when you uh, balance it against what are your strengths and you know, then it's easier to go find a job and run to something right. because if you don't make those changes reflect more of your strengths, you're just going to duplicate the same job in a different industry in a different city. Right. you to say, huh
0: you know what, I feel the same way a year later. Yeah, and, and I love how you say that you're using that to, to inform your decisions because, and that brings me to my, my next question in terms of how people should use these results because like you said, there's some of them you can interpret yourself um, and there's some ones that you'll need a coach to help interpret for you and help kind of guide you. But one thing that was key is when you're explaining the process and you said, you know what, I take this assessment and then, you know, I spend the next two weeks thinking about it nobody thinks about anything anymore. So it's like when you get the results, what is the first thing you have people do after they get the results? And of course they've either said, oh yeah, that's spot on. Or, you know, that's not me at all ever. I don't care what you say. I don't care what it says. It's rigged. It's not me. Um, But what do you, what do you generally have people do in terms of how do they use this result? Like what do they do with it?
1: So I'll, I'll use just the example of um, strengths. I'll start with that. So with strengths, you get a pretty good report that says paragraph by paragraph, each strength. So for instance, it might say relator. It'll have a whole bunch of things that make you special. I have them go with a highlighter, and I say what resonates with you, right? It's a paragraph. It's a lot of text. Highlight the words that mean something to you, that's, that, that stand out. And then I have them reflect, is there something in either work or your extracurricular activities, that you can test this out and do more of it, right? Mm -hmm. And see how you feel afterwards. So pivot some changes there. Sometimes people come to me, most times they say, I want a different job, (laughs) right? But I have them go back to this assessment and I say, if this is what brings you joy, it doesn't have to be related to work. Right, you, you have twenty-four hours in the day, you sleep eight, you work eight, there's eight more that you can do something else with. Mm-hmm. And so I have them do some experiments and say, if there's an activity here that looks like you might enjoy, try doing more of it. It doesn't have to be that I have to let go of my job and throw the baby out with the bathwater. Right. Go and experiment. Can if it's leadership, it's leading people, and you can't do it at work, go coach flag football. Go to go to church right. and you know have a leadership position there, go volunteer. And experiment. So digest it and experiment with it. And then, if you see yourself that your energy goes up, you may release the absolute desperation of, I got to switch jobs, right? Mm -hmm. Now, understand that you can infuse some energy into your life and it doesn't all have to be related to to work. So, take some time, digest those things, um, experiment, and then do more of it, less of it, just like you would conduct any kind of scientific experiment.
0: That is so key because I know that for a lot of people, this this whole thing becomes overwhelming, and they and like you said, they think, "Oh, I got to throw the baby out with the bathwater. I need to change my job because it says this." Well, like you said, there are other there there are supposed to be other aspects to your life other than work and sleep. So, um, so that that's a great great tip. Um, so on this show, one of the things that I always try to do is I try to leave our audience with three actionable steps, three things that they can immediately start to do to apply some of the information that we've talked about. So what would be the three, the top three things that you would encourage them to do if they've never had an assessment, they, you know, they've got that kind of in the back of their mind, this isn't right, but I don't know what, You know what is right so what are the top three things that you would say to somebody to get them started on this journey that they could do as soon as they got through listening to this podcast
1: so I would say if you've never taken an assessment I think $20 is a very reasonable price go out to Gallup and do this top five strengths see if you like kind of the feeling of actually answering these questions you know do it in a quiet time in a decent part of your week where you're not stressed out take the assessment review the results right And then uh, digest the report. Mm -hmm. And then what I would say is find something on it that you want to test out, right? So if you found a strength that you didn't know you had, you didn't realize you lean that way, test it out. Give yourself a list of things. Let's say this month I'm going to work on X. So this is particularly for Gallup strengths. If you were going to do something like an emotional intelligence or a little bit more sophisticated, the process is the same. You just might have to fish around where you take that. I can tell you on my website, you can take an emotional intelligence assessment, and get a 45 minute interpretation. So some coaches offer that kind of a one and done. It's a short commitment. Mm-hmm. So if beyond strengths, I would go to a more sophisticated tool like emotional intelligence, mm-hmm. but I would find things that you want to test out, Right in a quiet place, digest the results, and then test some things out. See if you can pivot your life a little bit just by being more self-aware. It doesn't have to be necessarily like a large sweeping change.
0: I I love that testing the results because there are so many times when people get a, a an assessment or they get an evaluation or and they come back and it's like, oh, well, you know, I'm going back, I'm quitting my job, and I'm doing this. You know, like I, I tell people the... Um, not to start their entrepreneurial journey the way I did, which is I went into, I was teaching at the time. Um, no, actually I was the, I was the general manager of a minor league soccer franchise at the time. I actually did it when I was teaching too. And um, t- t- seeing a trend there, but I got to the point of frustration <laughs> and I went in and I said, you know what, this isn't working for me. I don't like this anymore. I'm frustrated. I don't know what it is. And I literally walked in and said, I quit. And turned around and walked out. And when I walked out, I was like, "Okay, what am I supposed to do now?" There was no guidance. There was no assessment for me. There was no digesting. There was no testing. It was just, "I'm done." Um, which, you know, got me along a whole nother path. But I, I love the fact that there, there is that ability to make some sound decisions because you're testing it instead of being emotional with it and just saying, you know, because I'm frustrated now, I'm just gonna say you know the hell with it so tell us because you mentioned your website um, and I want people to know how they can get in touch with you how they can work with you so give them your website tell them how they can find you Um, I know you've got tools there and you've got opportunities for people to be able to work with you Um, you also have a book that I want you to mention (laughs) as well Um, so go ahead give us your info um, so that people can know how they can reach you where they can find the tools and where they can get your fabulous book
1: Absolutely. And I I do want to make one quick point. You and I share that uh, we kind of quit the corporate gig, right? And we both started our business from scratch. And I will say sometimes these assessments slow down that process. And I am a big fan. And I give this advice many, many times start it as a side gig, right? Mm -hmm. If you feel like your strengths and some sort of a, you know, uh, calling is out there, start it as a side gig, uh, right? Less stress. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly, because there is, there is nothing that can replace the safety of a paycheck as you explore some things that you think you might like to do. You quit your job, you start your business, there's no other choices.
0: (laughs) Yeah, Um, yeah, it's it's not, it's not a fun thing at all. Um, And I'm, Thirteen years into it, and I keep looking at people every so often. They're like, "Oh my gosh, it's so amazing! How do I, do I become like you?" I was like, "Don't quit your job! What is wrong with you?" <laughs> that yeah, would be the first it thing.
1: About six years in, right? <laughs> yeah, basically. Like how? So, do um, this? <laughs> so, so think. Um, so, my website is my name. It's www Cindy, C-I-N-D-I, B A S E N S P I L E R dot rcom And on there, I have some very quick hits, you know, get an assessment and an interpretation, both for Gallup and then one for emotional intelligence. I have kind of a, a one-day intensive coaching package. So if you are planning a transition or you're in transition, I'm a, pretty, I'm a pretty strict parochial type of a coach. I give you homework in between, but after a month, you really do make a lot of progress. Uh, and then, uh, so again, that's cindybazensteeler.com. And my book is Opportunity Cost. It's a, I call it my midlife memoir with a, a side of coaching. Uh, and it has uh, several vignettes. And at the end of them, uh, I ask people to really assess different parts of their life and ask themselves questions. Because I think that many people look at people like me and they say, oh, you kind of have it all figured out. And it's a, It's a sharing of how many different choices I have made. But in all of my life, I always say be intentional, right? Mm -hmm. Don't be surprised when you make a choice, think through it. And so the book is called Opportunity Cost. It's on amazon.com and you can also pick it up off of my uh,
0: website. Awesome, and I think we're probably gonna end up having to have you come back just to talk about the book because the title is like intriguing to me. Um, (laughs) A lot of times people don't realize that there is an opportunity cost. There is, you know, something that you, there's a give and take and you have to make some decisions about what you're trying, what you really want to give up and what you're really looking to gain when you make some. You purchase one choice by giving up another. Exactly. Yeah, we're going to have to have another conversation about the book. Um, But thank you so much for being on the show for giving these tips. I've been I always take notes because I always learn so much when I'm I'm talking to you guys. And I'm just so honored that we connected and that you know, we've had a chance to talk and to share this with the listening audience. Um, I am looking forward to for us continuing our relationship. And um, actually, I, I'm definitely going to have you back to talk about that book. But thanks again, everyone, for tuning in. I hope this has been a great um, segment for you that's helped you to understand how you can get started with on your journey to more self-awareness through self-assessment. Um, be sure to to connect with Cindy um, and be able to take some of those assessments and work with her. She's amazing. Um, Until next time, make sure that you visit our website at mindset2mastery.com. That's mindset, the number two, mastery.com. And as always, we give you tips, strategies, tools, and actionable items to help you change your mindset and master your success. Until next time, make it an awesome day.